Welcome to Sheepdog Nation podcast, the only place on the internet where law enforcement and their families can come to be understood, supported, and stood up for. Here's your host, the always entertaining, down-to-earth, yet-in-your-face truth speaker and Leo herself, Autumn Schmidt. Sheepdog Nation, wow, 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 do I have a treat for you. This interview today is with Mark Devine. He's the author of The Unbeatable Mind, the founder of Seal Fit. He's a former Navy SEAL. He retired as the commander. He holds two black belts in the martial arts. He's also a yoga instructor. He is a professor in leadership, and he's also an entrepreneur and runs multiple successful businesses and recently just broke a world record. Um, His team did for the most um, burpees in a 24-hour period. It was six people, and you'll hear in this episode, how many burpees Mark himself did. I cannot wait for you to dive in. This is going to be an episode to listen and re-listen to and take notes. I'm telling you right now, so much good stuff in this interview. I'm so excited for you. Um, And without further ado, enjoy. Hi, Mark. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, Autumn. Uh, First, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, we I are like, thrilled. We I are. like I like talking to sheepdogs. Um, some of my favorite people in the world. You know? Yes, probably because you have led many, and I I cannot wait to dive in and tell everybody all about you. And oh my goodness, I was just looking at your biography and everything you've accomplished and what you've done is just amazing. So I yeah, I appreciate that. I'll keep it simple. I'm you know basically. Uh, spent 20 years in the SEAL teams as an officer, retired as a commander, 2011. Um, but prior to that, I was actually in business. So I was a CPA down on Wall Street and oh, wow. getting my MBA at NYU. So that was kind of an interesting U-turn that I did. Uh, that's a fun story, you know, in and of itself. I wrote about that in a book I have uh, that I wrote called The Way of the SEAL. So I talked tell about how I was essentially, you know, on this one path, living this one story to be in business and all of a sudden I started meditating through Zen. I, I was fortunate enough to find a Zen master masquerading as a karate instructor, Mr. Tadashi Nakamura, who uh, became my first meditation teacher. And that process cracked me wide open and showed me, you know, the, my purpose, you know, my dharma and my calling in life. And that was to be a warrior and a teacher. So that defined the rest of my life, really profound. And very, I felt very humbled and fortunate to have that experience at 20, three instead of at 43 or 53. Absolutely. Before the midlife crisis you know, sets in. Yeah. So, but uh, as far as the SEAL team experience, it was awesome, just like everyone would imagine. So really, really cool. It was definitely, most of it was pre-war you know, era. Uh, I actually got up active duty um, and went into reserves around 97. Mm-hmm. And then I got mobilized in 2000. Then I got mobilized again in 2004 to go to Iraq. Um, but about 10 years of my, active, my experience was active duty, you know, 45 different countries around the world, leading uh, teams and doing different kinds of missions, but only one tour in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, I contrast that and I say it only because, you know, since 9-11, or yeah, since 9-11, many of my peers have done multiple combat tours, with hundreds and hundreds of uh, just gnarly missions. And it was never my uh, path to, to do that, you know, so I have combat in my under my belt but not like that but that's everyone's got their own path and so mine was to be a teacher uh when i 
got off active duty and started in business, I started up, my first business was a brew pub in Coronado, California, called the Coronado Brewing Company. That is awesome. Uh, still cranking away today. It's a very successful company. I'm no longer involved. I sold my interest to my partners. We had a little falling out, so I decided it was best to just move on and to do something where I could be, you know, not in a fight mode. Mm -hmm. So I launched my business Seal Fit back in 2006 to train SEAL candidates how to using techniques that I had learned through Nakamura and then through a lot of trial and error, through yoga, you know, integration of East and West and just like my own training regimen, which I used in combat with great effect. I called it warrior yoga at the time. And I put together this program called SEAL Fit to help SEALs become great leaders. And, um, it was pretty extraordinary. So the training I was giving to them was a lot of the stuff I write about in my book, Unbeatable Mind. It was breath control work, concentration training, uh, visualization, how to uh, really stay present and ask good questions in the midst of you know, really shitty situations. Yeah. Um, just clarity, you know, good decision making, visually, you know, all that tied together, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and the the, uh, the seals that I trained, or the seal candidates I trained, all of them were getting through buds. So we have ninety percent success rate. And Compared to like what what's the typically eighty five percent fail rate for the average person. Holy shit! So so for example, my seal training class one seven zero, we had one hundred and eighty five students, and nineteen of us graduated. Unreal. And I graduated as the honor man of my class, and I was using tools that I had learned from my martial arts training with Nakamura, or through, I would say, more my Zen training. Because as you know, as a martial artist, most martial arts don't have the deep meditative practices. 100%. Lost. It is lost. So I was very fortunate to have that. But it was also optional, and not many of the students did it, right? You know, of, a, of a studio that um, Nakamura had with, you know, maybe three or 400 students, which is pretty big, mm. maybe 15 of us took on the meditation classes, mm. which he held every Thursday night for an hour. And then we would, he would take a small group of us up to the Zen Mountain Monastery in Woodstock, New York, twice a year for these four-day retreats. It was extraordinary. Such oh. an experience to have in my 20s, early 20s. What a foundation. What a foundation. Yeah, it was very, very cool. So anyways, those things those tools, my ability to concentrate and to control my physiology through my breath and to like literally to clarify my mind and to make good decisions under pressure mm. and to maintain a positive attitude, you know, mm. some, you know, some of it was self-developed, but a lot of it came, you know, through the training and through the insights of meditation, but it allowed me to just dominate my SEAL training. And I thought to myself later on, wow, you know, other teams, you know, other candidates, other people could really benefit from this because it has such a, an application for performance. Mm -hmm. But even more importantly, Autumn, it also has an application for really accessing deep potential and clarifying really important things about your life. Like who are you and why are you on this planet and what are you going to do about it? Yes. The most important stuff, right? And so I made it my life's mission uh, to train a hundred million people by 2045 in these principles that I call unbeatable mind. Mm. And I started it with SEAL candidates and then you know, to all military soft and spec ops. We've done a lot of first responders and, and um, obviously law enforcement and a lot of executives. And now we're getting into corporate training. It's just been a really cool journey, you know, to, 
I bet you are. And, and, and that's the thing, Mark. And I just, I, you know, I want to, I just want to say this and I want, you know, I want my listeners to hear this is like the reason, like, you know, I know my husband and I just absolutely love you. We, your book is a staple in our house. It is read at least two times a year at very minimum. I have, we have it on Kindle. Um, I have it on my audible. Like I have it every (laughs) That's Um, awesome. because, and, and here's what I really want. You know, this is what I want Sheepdog Nation to take from this is, you know, being, being an elite in whatever you are is so much more than just physical. And it's, right. you know, it's so much more um, than just sitting there and like, you, cause you talk about mindset and, and you always, you know, what I love about your book and, you know, your, your seal fit training that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, like is how you really encourage people in the most masculine, you know, type a people in the world to really go within and really yeah. you know, focus within and, and, and it's that, it's that, it's the meditation and it's that kind of mindset that I just, for police officers, it is not, we don't talk about that. It, right. In the academy, it's tactical breathing. Right. But, and tactical breathing is, is good for, obviously it's very beneficial. Right. Um, but to me, it's, it's a practice. So tactical breathing shouldn't be something that you, that you uh, have to remember to do in a firefight. It should be your normal breathing pattern, which is slow and steady, four or five count in, four or five count out. And you practice that every day in the morning and even in the evening or in downtime. And it's the practice that bleeds off stress and, and, and has the effect on your mind. It's not just a once in a while remembering to tactical breathe. Tactical breathing doesn't really have any effect on um, on your ability to concentrate and focus and, and make better decisions, except that it slows your heart rate down mm. and gives you a little bit more space. It's the daily practice, like I said, which will transform the individual sheepdog into a more aware sheepdog, someone who's more connected, who's able to tap into their intuitive and, and really feel into a situation and to use your whole body as a mind, which is so critical for anyone put, you know, who, who has a career in a dangerous situation. You know, when I was in the SEALs, we used our whole body as a mind. Every, every signal, every sensation, every image that we got, every smell, every feeling, it was all important information. And we got really good at assessing what it meant. And boy, did it keep us out of a lot of shit. Oh. So that's what I'm talking about. You know, and, and the breathing practice, box breathing, is the way in, right? The breath is the bridge, the link between the body, the mind, and ultimately your spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so profound. And, um, you know, I, I like to say to when I train military and spec ops and sheepdogs that meditating, breathing, visualizing, all these inner practices, developing your mind, it makes you like significantly stronger, but in ways you can't, you know, it's not obvious on the outside. Lifting weights and you know, doing the tactical drills makes you better at performing those specific skills. But it's easy to identify results quickly. But if you really, really want to transform yourself into an elite warrior, you know, think about like in the old days, the Zen master sitting on the bench, who can spring into battle or sense the attacker coming up from behind. Mm -hmm. That has to be done in silence. And those Practices sitting in silence are not an indicator that you're weak or that you're woo-woo. It actually is an indicator that you're strong. So like, you know, to use a metaphor, like for, uh, 
an environmental metaphor. You want to be like a mighty oak when it's important to, you know, present that part of yourself. You know, the oak tree, very strong, unbreakable. But you want to be like the reed that can blow in the wind when the tsunami comes because the mighty oak is going to get washed downstream. So you want to have both the ability to project power like the mighty oak, but also be very flexible and supple, supple and even vulnerable mm. um, like the reed so that you can survive long term, so that you can use your intuition, so that you can connect even with, uh, you know, let's say an offender who maybe is being misunderstood. And we see so much problem with police brutality. A lot of that's just because, you know, everything looks like a nail, then the only thing you're going to use is a hammer, right? I said that wrong, but you know, basically it's, this is what I'm saying is accurate. Every, every solution looks like a nail. So we're going to use the hammer. Yep. Well, maybe not every solution or every person out there is a nail. Some of them are just misunderstood. Some of them in the wrong place at the wrong time. Some of them made a stupid mistake. Uh-huh. And so the sheepdog first responders, you know, need to be able to breathe into it and assess the situation at a deeper level and realize this is a human being and thereby the grace of God go I. And, you know, let's just get to the bottom of the situation before pulling a trigger, before clubbing someone over the head, you know. And I know that some people listening to this will be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about because you haven't walked in my shoes. And I'll be like, that's true. But I have trained an awful lot of people who have walked in your shoes. And I was a SEAL. And so it's, it's kind of close enough. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a heart and a fist, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to use them both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, hands down. And, and I love that. And what I love the most, to be honest with you, is that they'll actually listen to you when you say go within and, and you know, right. inner work. Whereas sometimes when I preach it, it you know, but it's somebody. Well, to you know, to be you, honest, Autumn, that's part of the problem. It's not just that, you know, Navy SEALs saying do this, that helps. Mm-hmm. But it's the way I teach it. It's like, it's very simple. This stuff is not hard. I mean, it, the hard part is the discipline to do it to do something new. Well, that's just habit. We all know how to you know, habituate new things. So, so it's appreciating how valuable it is. It's understanding that this isn't some woo-wee spiritualism, yoga, you know, these tools exist in those other systems, but for good measure because yeah. they're extremely powerful for developing the mind and the body and the spirit. It's just been lost in the West or never poured it over very well and where it, where it did get ported over it became stretchy bendy yoga which most guys think is cheesy or it's for girls and mm-hmm. or it was taught as kind of like um some sort of hinduistic meditative practice like tm transcendental meditation mm-hmm. which is just basically a concentration practice using a mantra so i like to take the foo out of the kung fu for these people and just say <laughs> like when I, when I was teaching the seals i didn't call it yoga i said let's just breathe and here's why, here's why breathing practice will be so powerful for you. It'll make you, you know, be better. You'll be, make better decisions under the stress of combat. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll bleed off um, excess stress so you'll physiologically be more balanced and you'll be healthier. Right? You'll be able to concentrate more on your task. Um, you know, you'll be a better teammate because you'll be able to connect and, and be, you know, be able to be more empathic or empathetic for your teammates. And they're like, yeah, those are all very useful things. I want, I want those things. I said, okay, here's how we develop them, right? We're going to use breath training. We're going to use visualization. We're going to develop a mantra to maintain a positive attitude. We're going to really feed the courage wolf. Well, the courage wolf is in your heart. Courage core means heart. 
So courage is in your heart. Fear is in your brain. So you wanna, if you want to stoke your courage, then you got to connect to your heart level with a deep sense of purpose and a deep commitment to your teammate and a deep commitment to your mission. And you have a, have a vision for what that looks like or what that feels like. And they start to practice all this stuff together and get really task-focused task on, you know, the, the, the smaller, smallest components that will lead to mission success with all those, you know, with their breath and control, with the vision for victory, with the mantra. And that's, they just dominate. Yeah, right? the they just dominate. The combination is powerful. Yeah, it's, and, and they need to be practiced every day, not just, it's not a theoretical construct. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. And so um, once these guys get it and they start to practice these skills every day, all of a sudden they see their applicability in anything, life in general, mm-hmm. goal accomplishment, career, but also most important when the shit hits the fan and bullets are flying or the tensions are going through the roof, then those skills really, really click in and show their worth under pressure. Absolutely. And that's what we need. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about like, do you off the top of your head, can you think of like one of your most stressful situations you've been in? Um, and then like how you handled it? You know, I've been near death more times I can count. And when I was in the SEAL teams, they led to, you know, a lot of momentary stress because fear of obviously loss of life does that to you. Mm. You know, one example, um, well, quick, a couple quick ones. One is a uh, parachute jump where I had a midair collision. You know, some, some guy ran into me and he, he, did, he didn't follow procedures and my parachute collapsed. And so now I'm plummeting to the earth. And it was a static lane jump, so we were pretty low to the ground already. You know? So 800 feet up, my chute collapsed. I got basically eight seconds to live. And so untrained and without these skills, you know, I probably would have burned in. But because I was trained, uh, at least in the basic procedures, and I had the skills to be able to, in my mind, slow time down, I was able, you know, that whole experience became a profound experience for me. So I went through the, the procedures to, you know, yank on the risers to try to get air, nothing happened. Then I deployed my reserve, shot it out there. That didn't catch any air. But all the while, I slowed my breathing down and I clicked back into my mantra, and I had a vision of myself surviving. All that happened in real time, because I've been practicing visualization and breath work and uh, my mantras for so long. And, and so I just kept doing that in, in real time, and, my, and the whole experience just started to like stretch, right? Meaning time started to stretch. And to where, you know, then I went back up, and uh, pulling on the riser, just felt like I had all this time to work the risers and then all this time to work on my reserve to get it uh, inflated and all this, you know, and, and if you were watching me, I was just barreling to the earth at, you know, like 60 miles an hour. I wasn't at terminal velocity yet because we jumped out so low, but I was, <laughs> it was not a survivable jump. Oh. And so I just kept doing that knowing that I was going to survive. I had that something that just that deep sense of, you know, this is not my time because I could see myself alive. Mm. And, um, and then sure enough, about 200 feet off the ground, it went back to the riser and started yanking them and they, they caught enough air that when I hit and with my perfect parachute landing fall, I literally stood up and dusted myself off and was fine. Wow. Profound experience, right? Really cool. Yeah. And I wasn't stressed either. 
when I hit the ground. I was breathing deeply and I was like, whew, that was a close one, you know? And then I went off to find the guy who ran into me to punch him in the face. <laughs> I you bet. Know, stuff like that. I had another experience in SPV, which is a sealed delivery vehicle, a little mini submarine. I think I wrote about this story. Maybe even both of them. You did. But you know, go yeah, ahead. the SCV story, a lot of people love that. It's really interesting because I seem it wasn't so much life threatening, it's more like well, it could easily have been. Yeah. I lost my face mask, which is a wraparound thing, it broke. I, I couldn't find my backup. And so there I was in this SDV in the middle of the ocean and I was completely useless. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, found, I put a regulator in the mouth because we had backup regulators and, and I basically just started box breathing. And the, the pilot, fortunately the pilot, I was the navigator, the pilot took over navigation, he knew I was toast. But I was, you know, I had like nine or 10 hours. And I was like, oh man, this is gonna be brutal. So I started box breathing and, and going into the, you know, the mental training that I'd learned. And, you know, it felt like about 45 minutes later, you know, my, the driver taps me and says, we're here at the objective. And four hours had gone by, but it was just like, you know, I just went into such a deep state, deep flow state that it, it felt like 45 minutes to me. Mm-hmm. And it was another like really, really peaceful moment. But here I am in well, a seriously dangerous situation underwater in the dark, you know on a mission and uh, there's so many experiences like that. I had a friend who was at uh, Tora Bora, not Tora Bora, but uh, yeah, it was Tora Bora where the CIA officer, Nikki Spain was being held. They thought he was alive. This is in Afghanistan in the early days. And um, he was there with some special forces guys and they were gonna go in and get Nikki. And so he starts leapfrogging and they come under heavy fire, right? Pins down the team. So the, the Green Berets, nothing against these guys, but they were just pinned down. Well, this guy, he had some of the skills that I was talking about and because uh, he was a martial artist. And so he started to, you know, go into this state again. And he could literally just see things happen before they happen. And he knew, you know, so it helped kind of guide his movements. So he would shoot and move and he just knew. Like he had this deep sense of knowingness that there was nothing that was going to hit him that day. Nothing was going to touch him. And time slowed down for him as well. And he was able to just navigate his way in there. All these other guys are pinned down and he's just like walking through the gunfire. It's like you see in the movie, you know what I mean? Wow, yeah. Nothing could hit him because he could see it. He could see the actions that the enemy was taking literally before or, you know, in this time warp so that he was able to move before, you know, their bullets would able to find their mark. It's really extraordinary. Yeah. This experience has taught me that you know there's a lot more going on than meets the eye you know in this experience of being human and that when we can take when we begin to train our mind you know it's almost like at the we're tapping into the at the quantum level like in the matrix we begin to be able to manipulate time and uh, energy um, and to use it to our advantage in a positive way so if you're a sheepdog this is what these skills will give you and it's not like superstition or or weird science it's just very real and once you start to train every day with these skills then the experiences start to validate what i just said it's amazing it's absolutely amazing um now let me ask you this so how so as you know i'm sure you know um obviously sheepdog nation we tend to have a pretty high like ptsd rate um what do you think because you know stress obviously is a big factor of that like our experiences and stuff like what what do you think like how do you how do you 
like what can you tell us like one thing that you've done I know it's a combination but if you could pick like one thing for Sheepdog Nation to do and focus on to really help kind of combat that like after these stressful situations like you've been in sure there's a couple things that that I would like to talk about here one is the breathing the most important practice that a, a healthy individual and someone who's dealing with extreme stress can do every day is box breathing. Four count in, four count hold, four count out, four count hold every morning. And that's a daily practice. That's your meditation, right? It precedes meditation, but you can't meditate unless you do the breathing. It bleeds off stress. It uh, detoxifies kind of your mind, meaning gets rid of dysfunctional mental patterns, mental mm-hmm. movements. It's, extraordinarily important it's a prerequisite for any type of real serious mental work like visualization or meditation that is number one thing so anybody who practices box breathing every day when they go into a stressful situation like a firefight they're going to be much calmer and they'll click into that tactical breathing a lot quicker like i said automatically um plus they'll be able to manage time better like i said in the mental state because box breathing really is a flow trigger it helps you access a flow state really quickly because your mind can be in kind of that high alpha low beta state instead of just jacking up to gamma where everything starts to speed up you keep everything slow while the world speeds up around you you're still slow it's like slow is smooth smooth is fast and um so that's the most important and it's a it's an action it's a physical action that everyone can do it's not weird it's literally the most basic thing you do as a human is breathe well you're just taking conscious control over that breathing and slowing it down and practicing it every day and you're practicing it in a, in a nice calm space so your mind isn't distracted you're not practicing it while you're texting or watching tv you're just practicing it still sitting alone and just focusing concentrating on the practice itself mm-hmm. that's number one when i found working with military with post-traumatic stress typically it's like far removed from the stress mm-hmm. and um often caused by two two things well three really one, some sort of moral outrage, hmm. right? Because in combat or in sheepdog situations, you, you know, you do things that you just think are re- morally repugnant. And yeah. then there's, uh, there's a, you have difficulty kind of rationalizing that away. Mm-hmm. And so people feel guilt or shame. And guilt and shame are just insidious, you know, mm-hmm. cancers, moral cancers. And so... That is one of the big causes of PT, post-traumatic stress, I think. And it's not not spoken about very often. It's one of the things we're working on, uh, Courage Foundation, is to bring people these physiological tools, but also the psychological tools. And I'm not saying therapy, because that's important too, but to understand that what they did wasn't their fault and that it was just a, you know, just happens. It comes with a package of being a sheepdog and, um, and to overcome the shame and guilt associated with that. The second thing is um, a lot of times, like especially in the military, it's, you know, the PTS shows up after they're done with the mission, meaning like when they get out of the military. And that's because all of a sudden they've lost their mission. They don't know what their purpose is anymore. And so you see a lot of sheepdog uh, first responders and and police officers who may have uh, gotten into a situation which all of a sudden now they're benched. You know, or like you got injured in your back and you got benched. Right. You're like, well, I, I, I loved serving, you know, on the front lines. That's why I did this. But now I'm sitting, you know, with, behind a keyboard or 
uh, I just don't know why I'm doing this anymore. And so the loss of clarity around my mission and the purpose starts to eat away at them as well. So they need to find purpose again, find meaning right around what they're doing. You're finding it through the sheepdog podcast, right? Yeah. And the third, the third is the team, right? The, the military man or woman loses their team when they leave the mission or if there's a major situation or incident, which causes all the stress, like they get blown up or something, or, you know, there's something outrageous that happens. Usually they, they're off the team and there's either an inquiry or they're just injured and they just can't continue. And so all of a sudden you lose your best friends and your teammates. And you know, team like that is more than friendship. It's, it's a bond that goes deeper than family. It's a different kind of bond that you can't even put words on, you know, yeah. around. Fully agree. So if you could bring these, the, these elements back together, if you give the, the, uh, the affected individual with po- individual affected with post-traumatic stress, the tools to manage and, and bleed off the stress, breathing, visualization, mindful movement, you know, like yoga or Tai Chi, or even, even like burpees, you know, done with breath and a mantra will do the trick. Huh. Um, and bring, get them back together with a team that, that shares their suffering, but also shares, can share hope. Uh, working on the moral outrage so they overcome the regret and the shame and, and guilt associated with whatever actions happened to them or they took, you know, and perpetrated other people in the line of duty, so to speak, and giving them some sort of purpose or helping them find purpose and a new mission. Mm. To me, those four things right there will do the trick. Now, of course, the VA system is doing nothing but pumping the military up with drugs that make them worse. And I'm not sure what kind of support structures there are in law enforcement, but my sense is it's not much better. No, it's not. And, and you just, you, what you just said is that's huge. It's absolutely huge. And it's such, that's huge for us to think about and how to move forward. And that's just, it's massive, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And like, especially like from my experience of, yeah, I got diagnosed with PTSD and like everything that you just said was like, just so true. It's like, wow. So thank you. for that. I started a foundation two years or three years ago because of this. Um, this issue and I wanted to help vets because it didn't seem like you know the military or the, or the VA could really help them and 22 veterans a day are committing suicide and, you, and did you know that for I know that I do know that and thank you for sharing that statistic but I can tell you that law enforcement is creeping up and if not has surpassed that it's like oh my gosh no it's, it's crazy the last year we lost more officers to suicide than we did to the um, versus like in the line of duty deaths and and I'm not sure about the military, Mark, but I can tell you with law enforcement, they don't talk about it. It is yeah. not talked about. That's period. bullshit. Yeah. The military doesn't talk about it either. Because once they're out, they're out. The military is focused on fighting the next war. Right. They're not focused on healing the, the warriors. So, you know, here's what I think, Autumn, is that when the system fails the individuals, then it's time for other individuals to pick up the slack. Yeah. So, you know, we see problems all over the world that are indicators that our old systems aren't working. They're, they're not up to snuff. Mm. Our government's not up to snuff anymore uh, because it can't. The world's changing too fast. This is one area, you know, where that we know we have the knowledge to, to be able to serve and to help people with post-medic stress and to prevent, you know, to intervene at the moment 
of crisis or to, to you know, give them support so they don't commit suicide, at least then. And then, you know, you make that one decision to not do it. And then the very next day, your life changes because all of a sudden you realize how close you came and, you know, you're, you're ready for recovery. But then where do you go? Right. So what do you do? I, I, the way I look at it is like it's time for individuals like you and I and everyone else listening. It's time for us to step up. It's our time. It's our time to be our own, you know, our own like self-appointed government. And I'm not talking about that in a political sense, like no, no, take no. over the government. No, I'm saying let's step up and fill the gap because obviously the government can't. And frankly, it's completely broke. <laughs> Who knows how long it's going to even last in this form? I know. Because we're so utterly broken in debt. So it's not working. So right. let's individuals and through nonprofits and through commun- back to communities and families and you know, let's think differently about how to solve some of these attractive problems. A hundred percent. And thank you so much because you're literally reiterating, reiterating like what I talk about every single day. <laughs> so um, it's nice to hear that. Um, Mark, you talked about um, your, so let's talk about this. I heard that you recently actually just broke a world record. In, right. And so I'd like to talk about that with you. And is that the foundation? It's the courage. Sure. So the courage foundation last year, we took some vets to Greece and we walked uh, 240 miles in seven days with two half marathons thrown in uh, on the Spartan trail. You know, the King Leonidas took us 300 Spartans, you know, from Sparta to Thermopylae to ward off the Persian invasion of these hundreds of thousands of warriors. Everyone knows about that story. Who's listening? Of course, it's in the movie 300. It's just very inspiring for warriors like us. Yeah. Anyway, so I took vets out there, but I, I, there's, I couldn't really serve more than four vets you know, because it was expensive and big deal. So I was thinking, what can I do this year that where more people could be participate? And um, while I was thinking about this last December, I had just so happened to have challenged myself to do 200 burpees a day, just for the heck of it. It's like holidays, you know, it's going to be a lot of partying, a lot of distraction. Maybe I'll do something that's going to be kind of like a little bit hard, requires a commitment, you know, just to keep me focused through the holidays and just to prove to myself. So I was doing 200 burpees a day. And by the time I got to the end of the month and I was thinking about my goals for next year, I was still doing burpees and I felt really good and I didn't want to stop. And then it dawned on me is like, everybody can do burpees. Mm-hmm. Everybody. They're the no excuse exercise. Now, mm-hmm. not many people do them because they hurt. There's a little bit of pain associated with the burpee. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to throw yourself on the floor, do a push up, and jump back up and clap. That's a long range of motion and there's a lot of energy output. So anyways, I had this audacious idea because I knew that 22 vets a day were committing suicide. I said, what if we suffered? What if I asked my tribe to suffer, Mm. you know, an uncommon amount and to raise money and awareness for these vets? So what if we do 22 million burpees in 2018? I did the math and I'm like, holy shit, can we even do that? I said, yeah, we can. I can do 100,000 burpees. That means 300 a day. If I do 300 a day, I'll hit 100,000. And uh, I bet you I can find 221 other guys or women who would do 100,000 burpees with me next year. So I put the challenge out to my tribe. Yeah. I didn't get 221 to do 100,000, but I did get close to 200 to do some number. Yeah. Some 100,000, some 50, you know, some 75. And so we said, three, two, one, go. January 1st, we started. And so I, I'm at 97,500 right now. So I'll be done in six or eight days. I'm going to do my last set of burpees at my annual summit, which is coming up in 
in a few weeks in Carlsbad. But anyway, so the story doesn't end there. So the, the commitments that I had from everyone get, got us to about 14 or 15 million burpees. And we've already raised $200,000. And with that money, we're going to put um, as many vets as we can. It's going to be like 30 or 40 through a three-day immersive experience to teach them those skills that we talked about. And then we're going to uh, hook them up into a team with a coach, a certified coach, for 18 months to work on all the rest of the stuff, the team, the purpose, and, uh, and overcoming any kind of moral injury. So what we found is not everyone could do the daily commitment thing. There, it just wasn't right for them. For me, it was very inspiring. You know, to have a big why and to get up every day and to do my 300 burpees was awesome, but it wasn't for everyone. And also we had some teams and groups that wanted to participate. And so we said, well, let's expand this concept a little bit. You can do it burpees however is appropriate for you. It could be, you know, could you be just coming together as a team and doing as many as you can in an hour or two hours? It could be some other thing. And so we had a high school come together and do uh, Campanile High School in California. They did um, four hours of burpees with their football team. And they raised $6,000. Unreal. It's cool. We had Google employees come together and do a seal fit event and do a bunch of burpees. And, and they donated like $25,000 or $30,000. Wow. You know, I had one of my clients uh, bring me back to do a speech at this uh, big Swiss bank called UBS. And they donated, you know, $20,000. Wow. And then the biggest initiative was Veterans Day. Now, we're recording this on Veterans Day. I know it probably won't be played on Veterans Day, but we're recording on Veterans Day. So... This weekend, we invited as many people who could to join us to do 24 hours of nonstop burpees. Yeah. While we were thinking about this event, we researched and we found out there was actually a world record for the most number of burpees done by a six-person mixed rate or mixed team, men and women. And so I told uh, my executive director at the foundation, Courage Foundation, I said, dude, let's do that. We, we can do that. Like, I think we can crush that. Mm -hmm. So I put together a team. Um, one of the guys is a law enforcement stud, CrossFit stud named Greg Amundsen. So Greg joined. And then my stepdaughter, Catherine, who's been doing burpees with me every day since January and is one of my, is our yoga teacher. She joined us. And Melanie, who's one of my SEALFIC coaches, joined us. And Jim, you know, so we had six just awesome people. And Liz from Australia, who's a, yoga teacher, massage therapist, but it's just this burpee queen. <laughs> and, uh, and so we put a strategy together. The strategy was like relentless. Like we were just relentless with our burpees. Doing about, you know, anywhere between 25 and 30 a minute between the six of us. And only one person can work at a time, right? So that's like the, the nuance with this world record. Only one person can work at a time. Wow. And we did 35,393 burpees. In uh, that's unreal. That's <laughs> I'm still having trouble wrapping my like, holy cow. And I was there for every single one of them. I, I think personally, I did over 6,000, close to 7,000. Holy cow. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. And um, the original record was 14,000. And we did 35,000 burpees. Unbelievable. And you know what? Um, it wasn't so much about the world record. Like, who cares, right? I mean, it's still got to be validated and everything, which it will be. But it wasn't about that. It was about having a rallying 
cry, you know, for vets and, and having everyone understand like this is a serious issue and we're willing to suffer by doing like not just staying awake and doing a few burpees, but by like like this intense amount of effort through 24 hours. Craig mm-hmm. Amundsen turned to me like this guy is like a massive stud, like unbelievable stud. They call him the original fire breather in CrossFit and he's written a book on fitness and he's just a stud former law enforcement, former DEA, he turned to me at the end and he goes, Mark, he goes, I've done some hard things in my life, but I got to tell you, this is by far the hardest thing I have ever done. You know oh, what I mean? Imagine, yeah. To include the 50-hour the awake thing we do with Kokoro Camp, he did that. He thought that was the hardest thing. No, this is the hardest because it was intense, sustained effort for 24 hours with just very, very short periods of break to quickly recover. We reused all the fueling tricks we knew. We used all the recovery tricks we knew. I bet you did. It was just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and again, all that to raise, and we raised, I don't know the numbers yet, but I'm willing to bet we raised about $25,000 just on that day. Unbelievable. I love it. Over. Yeah. Thank you. And th- thank you guys for doing that and, you know, helping our vets. That's huge. Massive. Yeah. We're doing what we can, but we know it's not enough. So, Everyone, you know, everyone can help out. Let's just say, whether it's helping us or doing things in your own communities, this is for both, you know, law enforcement and military. It's critical, as you know. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, Just a couple other questions I have, because I know um, you've got to go, but um, I just wanted to ask you if you had a short answer for this on what brought you to like writing your book? Because the, your book, The Unbeatable Mind, every person listening to this needs to go get. Um, Sheep Dog Nation, you're going to have a link below. There's an audio, there's an Audible link. You can, you can go sign up for free on Audible and post this file and you can actually get it. Um, and I'll have, I'll have Mark's website right below so you can go to the website and check it out. But that book is, I think I told you guys, but like it, it's really changed my husband and I's life. I think every law enforcement officer first responder needs to um, read it or listen to it. But Mark, I'd just love to hear how that came about for you. It's a good story. I mentioned earlier, first of all, that I've been training this way since I was in my 20s. And so, you know, I've really had a lot of, you know, a lot of like personal dirt dive time, you know, with my mind, with the mental training and emotional development, trying to understand how it all worked in my life so I could be more effective. And it has led me to be very successful in certain areas, but it was never really about the success. It was about the becoming, right? The being part, like I mentioned earlier. And so when I started to, um, when I started seal fit and I started teaching seals, like I was so inspired by my martial arts training with Nakamura in particular, the Zen mountain monastery sessions where we would like literally train karate for like three hours straight take a break and then sit in meditation for an hour and a half, right? Then eat lunch with the monks in silence and then train karate for another three hours and then take a break and then go for a run and then meditate for another hour and a half. It was incredible experience. So I wanted to recreate that warrior monk experience for these seal candidates. So I I created what I call the seal fit Academy. And I had this beautiful training center. I don't have it anymore because I kind of gave it up because our business model went in a different direction. Um, but I had this beautiful facility in Encinitas, California, and I had an apartment and I could put eight people up in this apartment, I figured. 
And so I invited, you know, I put a notice out to my tribe and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. First at a time ever, I'm going to run the Seal Fit Academy. It's going to be 30 days of live in. You come live with me and myself and some of my coaches will train you for 30 days straight. You'll have some very long days, sometimes around the clock, but I can guarantee you when you come out of this, you'll be transformed. And whatever your goals are, if you're going into, you know, to get through buds or, you know, Q course, you'll dominate. I had four people sign up for that first course. I charged like $3,000. And um, during that first course, it became apparent to me that all the tools, you know, because I, I, let me back up. The physical training, I pretty much figured that out pretty quickly. I already developed the SealFit operator workouts. My, you know, the eight weeks of SealFit book was kind of partially written. I had it written as a manual in manual form. So I knew how to do all the physical training. I knew how to teach the SEAL type physical mental training through log PT and long ruck marches and ocean swims and, and then the, the, all the weightlifting and PT and functional fitness and CrossFit. And I could do all that and I had support doing all that. But, you know, that was about maybe a half of the day. And the other half needed, you know, I needed to fill up with leadership skills and team building skills and mental toughness and resiliency. And, and so it was the, that second part of developing all the character, the character of being an, um, a kick-ass, you know, sheepdog, that I had to develop from scratch. And so I began to just test things that I had used myself or I'd learned throughout my 30 years as a martial artist. And then by then I had been studying and teaching yoga for about 10 years. And um, of course I'm a voracious reader and I've been 20 year Navy SEAL and you know, a couple black belts. And so I had all these tools to draw from and I was like, what will work with these kids? Mm. And so, and I also learned that I can't use, I can't teach it the way I was taught. Because mm. the way I was taught was either with a Japanese, you know, cloak or gi wrapped around it or, a, you know, a yoga mm. uh, kind of spiritualistic approach or, you know, or whatever, Tao, you know, the Tao Te Ching. None of these things are culturally relevant to Westerners and, you know, people just like, eh, that's not for me. And so I just took, like I said earlier, I took the foo out of the Kung Fu. I stripped all that stuff out and began to just test what would work and what didn't work and create a whole new kind of like methodology around how do you teach someone to do these basic fundamental mm-hmm. skills, which have never really been taught mm-hmm. to us, but should be taught to all kids and all adults, right? So how do you control the breathing and why? And how do you visualize and why? And for what effect? And what are the different types of visualization and what's the power of a mantra and why, you know, why does it work? And why do, do certain words have a certain effect and other words have a different effect? How to be aware of the, the power of negative emotions versus positive emotions. How do you transform your emotions so that you're, they're positive and, and able to have the powerful effect? How do you communicate with heart? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you're connecting deeply at someone where you're literally dropping your mind into your heart. These are all like, I think they're rudimentary skills that, every, that everyone needs to know. So I started to teach them and developed a program that I called Unbeatable Mind mm. before I wrote the book. And That's then I was like, this stuff needs, I had people come to me, Autumn, and say, listen, I love what you're doing. There's no way I can take 30 days off, nor am I physically strong enough to do that program. But I really want to, I've heard you talk. I've seen some of your videos, you know, trickling around on YouTube because we put out little snippets here and there. I really want to experience this training that you're calling Unbeatable Mind. So I said, okay. 
that sounds like a good idea. So I created an online training program, a 12 month online training program. And guess what? The book on Beetle Mind was the, you got it with the first lesson. It was basically the manual, ah. but because it was self-published, you know, I put it out as a manual and then I looked at that book. Everyone said they loved it. And then I got, you know, I was like this, if this is actually going to get read by people, I better turn this into a real book. Mm -hmm. So I rewrote the entire thing to the version that you have now and, and um, self-published it. And wow. it, you know, I put, put a lot of love into that book and I'm still not happy with the, you know, with it. And I'm about ready to up, up, upgrade it again, but okay. also I'm re I'm writing kind of like the 2.0 version for millennials or for anyone kind of like trying to strike out on a new path. Mm -hmm. and how to overcome you know, like really how to overcome fear how to deal with um how to develop clarity how to connect with your witness so that you can gain information from your deepest you know essential nature how to um do the emotion the self-emotional development you know wow. that i call recapitulation so i go really deep into the recapitulation practice um how to develop the right habits you know and 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 create processes instead of just goals. It's really, really excited about this book that'll be out in uh, March. And I'm calling it Uncommon. <laughs> Uncommon, I love it. Well, I can't wait because I'll be scooping that up immediately. That's awesome. <laughs> That's sweet. Well, thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome, yeah. So um, my last question to you, Marcus, do you have any advice for rookies coming into this job? Like what's the one thing that you would tell them? Coming into Sheepdog Nation. I would tell them to keep your mouth shut and to listen. You know, don't, don't speak unless what you say is technically accurate, uh, useful, going to add to the conversation, and it's coming from a place of care and concern. Mm. Too many uh, rookies, or too many young people or new people open their mouth and uh, try to prove themselves when really what they need to do is just, you know, be humble and quiet and just prove that they're able to work their asses off mm -hmm. and be a good teammate, you know, mm -hmm. just season a bit. <laughs> right? You don't have to be the number one on the force or you don't have to prove anything to anybody, right? You just need to do your job and to be a good teammate and to keep your head on your shoulders. Not yeah, that's, hurt. <laughs> that's a great advice. A Lieutenant, when I, right before I started FTO, a Lieutenant like pulled me aside one day and was like, listen, I'm going to give you some advice. You haven't started FTO yet. So you haven't started like ruining your reputation. <laughs> so he goes, what you need to do is you need to never say, I know you're on FTO. You are a rookie. You know, nothing. You always right. just say, okay, I got it. <laughs> so, Check. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. With what you said, but, um, and so Mark, how can you tell everyone, how can they get in contact with you? Cause after this episode, I'm sure they're going to want to. Yeah, so, you know, of course, we have some social media at Unbeatable Mind and SealFit. That's kind of fun. Um, my personal website is markdivine.com. Um, if someone is interested in my books, of course, they're on Amazon. Uh, someone wants to send me, you know, some information, they can do it by sending a note to info at sealfit.com. Okay. And, you know, we're here to help answer any questions about our training. Our SealFit training is really valuable. For sheepdogs. In fact, we have an event called Sheepdog Awareness and some self-defense training that is based upon Sansu Kung Fu, which is what I did in the SEALs. It's very helpful. It's not on the schedule for next year yet, but it will be. And then our 50-hour coral camps are really powerful for developing greater awareness and 
you know, expanding your sense of, you know, your field of vision, so to speak, and your resiliency. And Unbeatable Mind, of course, is an amazing program, you know. So we love to do trainings with, um, with units and with, with organizations, or, you know, people can participate just by doing the online training or coming to our public event, which is a three-day academy. We have two of those next year. So lots of stuff going on. Awesome. And that was one thing I wanted to ask you was, so you're, so is the Unbeatable Mind program, is that online? Yeah, we have an online program, 12 months long, called Unbeatable Mind Online. And then we have a three-day academy experience where we go into all the principles and all the training in depth. We also awesome. have something called the Summit, which this year is going to be the last year we run it, but that's coming up on November 29th and December 3rd in Carlsbad. We have some slots left at that. All that information is at the UnbeatableMind.com website. Okay. Okay. Cause I'll put all that. So in the show notes, we'll have all of your links so that everybody can. Sweet. Thank, all you. Right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being here. Really yeah. super appreciate it. Appreciate you, Autumn. Thanks for doing what you're doing. And to everyone out there who's on the front lines, stay focused and uh, box breathe every day. Trust a me. Lot. It'll a make lot. a big difference. Yes. Box breathing. All right. Sheepdog nation. You heard it here from Mark divine. You better be box breathing. He talked about, told you exactly how to do it. Um, and below in the show notes, you're going to be able to get in contact with Mark. I'm going to leave his book. I'm going to leave all of his websites and his email. Um, so you can email info at sealfit.com. I'm really excited about it. And I will, by the way, uh, by the way, Adam, we do have an app for box breathing at unbeatable. If you search the app store for unbeatable mind box breathing, we have an app and you can get a black belt in box breathing. It's a really nice handy tool because it'll remind you and you can follow along and it has a sound, you know, like inhale, exhale, stuff like that. Perfect. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know that Sheepdog Nation, we have a box breathing app that I think we all need to get on, especially, you know, when we're on duty and just start and shift, that would be probably perfect. To, huge, uh, huge. Yeah. I agree with that. To, awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Adam. And that was another episode of Sheepdog Nation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and let us know by giving us a rating. If you have questions that you want answered by Autumn in the podcast, submit it by going to the link in the show notes. As always, stay safe and watch your six.